always, we enter into the world of scripture via poem, which we already did, so we're going to fast forward past that, and we're going to get straight to exploring the story of Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We talked about Israel's being Elohim's people. We are in part two of year two of the journey of Israel. You know, Israel is, of course, Elohim's people. And Israel has never lost their status as Elohim's people. You know, anyone who is a person of Elohim is one of Elohim's people. They are one of his covenanted people. And if you're not covenanted with Elohim, you're not Israel. And if you're not Israel, you're not one of his people. His people entered into covenant with him. And he promised them that they should be his people. And he will be their Elohim, that is their ruler, their judge. You know, and all of those that entered into covenant agreed that everything that he had spoken, they would do. You know, now we left off talking about the wilderness experience and how it was a dry land of darkness. You know, so the wilderness is a place that's uninhabitable. So it's oftentimes lonely in this wilderness experience. People say all the time when they're going through this walk how lonely it is. Well, that's because wildernesses are uninhabitable and the only ones out there is Israel and some about to die wondering because no one can actually survive in the wilderness except they have Yah. Gotta have Yah. You know, and so that's what gets us through. And so this is for all my folks that's going through hard times, you know, it is impossible to survive the wilderness experience without Yah. But as long as we have Yah, we'll be good. He may bring us to the brink of death, but that's just to test us. Know that he's not going to let you die. Know that he's going to save you. It may be in the nick of time, but it'll be in time. You know, and he doesn't care whatever he has to do. He's going to bring it to pass. If you have to rain manna from heaven or bring water from a rock, he'll do it. Now, what we need to do in, in return, what we need to do in return is to make certain that he can dwell within us. See, Yah doesn't just want to dwell with us. He want to dwell in us. He want to dwell within our midst. So he asks Israel to make him a dwelling place. And so this is the responsibility, you know, individually speaking now. This is the responsibility of every would-be believer. Every would-be believer has the responsibility to, to establish a dwelling place for Yah. And you may say, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have any land. I don't, you know, I don't have no, no property. I, where am I going to do this at? You know, well... We're all living in some land. These flesh bodies are simply dust of the earth. They are simply plots of land. You know, and Yah knows that you have plenty of land to make him a dwelling place. So there's no excuses. You know, we need to erect a dwelling place within the midst of us that Yah may dwell. You know, so if you haven't done that, I suggest you go back to part one, year one. And learn what's all, what, what all that entails, you know, and get busy on making y'all a dwelling place. Amen? Mm -hmm. 
You know, now in year two, one of the first things that he does is he takes a census. He takes a census. You know, Yah knows everyone that's his. You know, hence he takes a census and he has his membership information. And guess what? If you're not a member, he knows it. You can't sneak in. Remember the, the parable Yahshua gave about the, the guy at the wedding feast that didn't have on the wedding garment? Yeah. Yep. yeah, he knew he didn't belong. And he threw him out where he belonged, where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen? You know, so let that be a lesson to us. You know, membership has its benefits. You know, get your membership today. You know, now, after he took his census and he got his membership information, now that he knew who he was working with and, and what he was working with, he began to arrange them. So he began to arrange Israel in a manner in which he wanted to organize them. Amen? You know, and so everyone gets arranged by Yah. See, it's important to know and to understand that Israel couldn't place themselves wherever they wanted. Yah gave instructions on where they were to be positioned. Where they were positioned was Yah's will, not their own. You understand? It wasn't even Moshe's. It was Yah's will. You know, he told Moshe where to put whom. You know, so wherever he's placed you is where you're to be. Whether you're immediately around the tabernacle such as the Levites and the priests, or surrounding them as the 12, the 12 tribes of Israel. Whether you're in the east, or whether you're in the west, whether you're in the south, or whether you're in the north. Yah places his people where he wants them to be. He arranges them. You know, and so, like, a lot of people are not happy with that. A lot of people want to put themselves where they think they should be. You know, we have stories of that in, in scripture. You know, we're gonna we're gonna eventually get there. So I'm not gonna speak on them now. You know, but yeah, you know, some people have the audacity to tell Yah they don't wanna be where he placed them. They wanna be where they think they should be. Well, we'll see how that work out for them. You know, next we were given the adultery test. You know, and this is this is very significant, you know, it's given an adultery test because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Yah is looking for a bride for his first begotten. Many of us claim to want to be or be a part of that bride. Well, he has a test to see if you were adulterous or not. If you fail, you can pretty much guess what's going to happen. We don't need to go into that. Last week, we did go into the Nazarites, though. You know, so the adultery test teaches us how we can be excluded or pushed out 
and away from from Yah. But the Nazarite vow teaches us how we can devote ourselves to Yah and how we can draw closer to Him. Many people have many ideas of how to draw close to God, and some of some of them come up with some pretty good stuff, you know. But there's one scriptural way, and that is through the Nazarite vow. That's the one scriptural way to conse consecrate oneself to Yah. That's the one scriptural way to devote oneself to Yah, you know. And so we're given that right after we're given the way that we can be, our sins can be found out, you know, concerning not being adulterous. You know, so Yah is showing us in this, you know, how to draw near and how to, you know, get pushed away. But that was yesterday, um, yesterday week, you know, this week we're going to talk about, we're still in Numbers chapter 6, but we're going to talk about setting the record straight. We're going to set the record straight. We're going to talk about setting the record straight for the priestly prayer of blessing. You know, uh, I believe I've, I've um, did a disservice, you know, um, in explaining this wrongly in times past. Y'all showed me something a little different today. You know, uh, and so, hence, you know, I'm setting the record straight. You know, so I have to backtrack and, and revamp something that I said in times past. You know, and we'll get to that very shortly. So let me have my first reader read Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, please. And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto Aharon and to his son, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, uh, Thank you. Hallelujah. All right, so that was quick. You read that so fast. I'm sorry. No, you okay. You okay. I was trying to get a swig of water. <laughs> Drinking on Yeah, so uh, he says, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, saying, Okay, since this is discipleship training, you know, he's, he's talking about speaking to Aaron and his sons. Who are, who are we talking about? The priest. The priest. Absolutely. You know, um, and now that we know that we're talking about the priest, who, what, what do the priests represent? What was that, Brother Doug? The bride. The bride, absolutely. Um, we're going to say the wife. You know, the because um, the priest actually represents the wife more so than the Bride is the wife to be, but the wife. All right. Okay. Now, whose wife is she? What was that? Yeah. Yah's wife. Absolutely. You know. So now, 
that's important to see the spiritual picture. Because what comes next? He says, speak unto Aaron and his son, saying, okay, so speak unto his wife, saying, on this wise shall ye bless the children, saying unto them. So, we have a husband, Yah, a wife, priesthood, and children. Can you see that? Now, the husband represents, of course, also the father. You know, the wife, the mother, and then you have the children. So this is the father actually, this is the father actually, you know, giving instructions to his wife on how to interact with the children. Can you see that? I ain't losing nobody there. All right. He goes on to say, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. You know, so, what does it mean to bless? This word bless is barak. It's number 1288. It means to kneel. Now, what Yah is literally telling Aaron and his sons is that they are to kneel Israel, the children, uh, kneel the children of Israel before Elohim. You know, and so that you can have a full understanding of what it looks like to kneel, we have a picture, you know, uh, pictorial example from Scripture, Genesis 24, 11, you know, which speaks about, and he made the camels to kneel down. Mm. You know, and so to kneel down is Barak, number 1288, okay? Mm. Now, we see how the camels are kneeled down. This was what it looks like to kneel. Now, because Hebrew is a pictorial language, the pictures are crucial. You know, because a picture says a thousand words. Amen? So, the, the, the question is, what is this picture saying? Worship. Worship. Absolutely. It speaks of worship. What else does it speak to? Humility. Humility, absolutely. What else does it speak to? Obedience. Obedience. Love that one. Reverence. Yes. What was that? Reverence. Reverence, absolutely. Yes. Told you. A picture speaks a thousand words. And we only have about 894 to go. No, I mean 994. No, but, but no, but like... Yeah, so it speaks to all these things. So you want to be able to grasp the picture that's being painted via scripture. And this is this is this is really important, you know, because Yah is telling his wife that look, this this is this is how I, this is what I want you to do, and this is why ye shall kneel the children of Israel. So now. 
if the wife, mother, priest, if they are kneeling Israel, they're causing them to become humble. Can you see that? They're causing them to, to worship. Can you see that? They're causing them to, to pray. They're causing them to be obedient. They are subjugating them to Yah. Can you see that? Because it's very important that we we're able to see that because this is what Barak entails. This is what a blessing entails. If you want to be blessed, then you're going to have to learn how to humble yourself before Yah. You're going to have to learn how to subjugate yourself to Yah, to obey Yah. You know, you're going to have to learn how to reverence Yah. And if you don't, then you won't receive his blessing. Everybody with me? You know, now before, and this that's the correction that I was making because before, you know, I you know, I misunderstood because of um, some other factors, you know, and I said I, I was saying that, you know, the blessing was when Yah kneels before his people. You know, showing that he was um he was humbling himself before them, you know, or subjecting himself to their will and thereby blessing them. But that's incorrect. You know, Barak is to kneel before Yah. And Yah is not going to subjugate himself to thee. It's always the other way around. We have to subjugate ourselves to him. So, I set the record straight. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to take a couple other places. Um, take a look at a couple other places where this is uh, this term is utilized. Psalms 95.6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel by rock before Yah, who are our maker. All right? You know, and so... <clears throat> This is what we want to do before Yahuwah, our maker. We want to, you know, kneel before him. We want to subjugate ourselves to him. We want to be obedient to him. We want to humble ourselves before him. We want to reverence him. We want to worship him. Amen. You know, so this is what is being described. Also consider 2 Chronicles um, 6.13. It says, For Solomon had made a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court and upon it he stood and kneeled down by rock upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. You know, can you see Solomon was bringing a blessing upon Israel because Solomon was the head of Israel. You know, so he was the head of Israel. He was Israel um, personified as a whole, if you would. And so here it is. 
he got on his knees. He kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation and spread his hands toward heaven. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's Barak. That's Barak. You know, see, Barak is to kneel before Yah, to subjugate yourself before Yah, to humble yourself, to reverence him, to worship him. Now, I don't know, uh, it's a pretty popular movie in times past <coughs> called 300. And this is a scene from it. You know, it says, kneel, you say, and show submission. Hmm. And then the Spartan says, we may have a problem. <laughs> because the Spartans didn't kneel to anyone. You know, they felt it was an atrocious gesture and one that's only reserved for the most high. So I give him credit for that. They refused to to barack before men. Only before the most high. And so in the scene, after he turned his head back the other way, he kicked my man into a bottomless pit. You know. Um, you know, but the point that I'm making and showing this is that even in, in times past, it was common knowledge that if you saw someone kneeling, they were showing submission. See, and that's that's the whole point that I'm trying to trying to get across. I'm trying to get you to understand that when to kneel is to show submission, and that's what it was all about. You know, and so whenever we see these, this this picture or this gesture, then we're to think submission. See, and it was so well known that you know that there was there wasn't any definition that ha that had to come along with the kneeling. Like Barak just simply means to kneel, and so everyone back then they was like, oh, to kneel, okay, that means worship, reverence, you know, obedience, you know, uh, honor. You know, they automatically knew what that meant and what it represented. But now today, we don't, we don't, we're not that familiar with it. You know, so we're, we're detached from that. You know, so I pray I've done a good job of, um, of reconnecting that understanding. You know, so when Yah says to Barak, say, you want to be blessed? You want me to bless you? Submit yourself before me. Humble yourself before me. Obey me. Reverence me. Yes, all of these things is entailed in simply kneeling. You know, so verse 24 goes on to say, Yah, who will bless thee and keep thee. So first of all, you know, Yah told Aaron and his sons, he told the priest, that is the mother of Israel, to kneel Israel before him. Humble them before him. Cause them to become obedient before him. Cause them to reverence him. Cause them to worship him. You know, and so this, this is the priest's job. You know, now, we all supposed to have 
erected a tabernacle for Yah, right? Who's the priest over that tabernacle? Yourselves, right? So whose job is it to cause that tabernacle to kneel before Yah? Can you see that? That's our responsibility as priests over these tabernacles. You know, and then verse 24 goes on to say, Yahuwah, kneel thee. Yahuwah, kneel thee. So, we have to, um, we have to allow Yahuwah to kneel us. We have to allow Yahuwah to humble us. We have to allow Yahuwah to cause us to reverence him. You know, and he says, and keep thee. You know, so the priest is to, to, to uh, kneel them, cause y'all to kneel them, and to keep them. Now this word, keep the Shemar, number 8104, it means to hedge about as with thorns. That is to guard, to protect. So if you hedge about something with thorns, you know, it protects it. Don't no animal or person want to go through no thorns. You know, so it protects whatever it is that is surrounding. So I want you to consider the one that is kneeling before another. Now ask yourself, what protection do they have from oncoming threats? You know, if you just have someone that's kneeled be before someone else, what protection do they have from on oncoming threats? Somebody, anybody? Absolutely, they don't have any protection. You know, they don't have any protection. If you have someone that's kneeling before another, you know, their head is down, their back is exposed, they don't have any protection. You know, now, ask yourselves whose responsibility would it be to protect such a person? No, it wouldn't be yourself if you're kneeling. The person they're kneeling in front of, the person that they're kneeling to, absolutely. This is the person that has to be responsible for their protection. Because they're subjecting themselves to them. They're subjugating themselves to that person. So if that person is Yah, then he becomes your protector. When you kneel before Yah, he becomes your protector. When you worship Yah, when you reverence Yah, when you obey Yah, he becomes your protector. Can you see that? He's the one that keep you from oncoming threats. You know, now verse 25, it continues, continues on. It says, Yahuwah make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Yahuwah make his face shine upon thee. Now, this has some spiritual significance. First of all, we have to ask, where can we find the face of Yahuwah? 
his word. And who is his word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, yes. So, Yahuwah, this is actually saying Yahuwah make Yahshua shine upon thee. Well, do Yahshua shine? Surely he does. He said he is the light. The light of the world. Amen. You know, and he is the face of Yah of Yahuwah. So much so that in Yochanan 14.9, he says, He that have seen me have seen the Father. Because he is the face of the Father. Now, Exodus 25.30 says, And thou shalt set the table of showbread before me always. Now, in the tabernacle, the priests were commanded to bring showbread into the tabernacle on a regular basis. Amen? Yes. Now, what the KJV translates as showbread mm. literally means face bread. Mm. It literally means face bread. Mm. You know, and this becomes super significant when you consider who the face of Yahuwah is. Now we're talking about Yahshua's bread. Because he's the face of Yahuwah. Can you see that? Yep. Consider Yochanan 6, 32 through 35. It says, And Yahushua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moshe gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of Elohim is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Adonai, evermore give us this bread. And Yahushua said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Hallelujah. So we see Yahshua is that face bread. He's that bread of life. You know, so I pray that now my discipleship students can see that Yahushua's commandments, words, and sayings were represented um, within the Old Testament via the symbolic face bread. That is, the showbread brought in and placed upon the table of the tabernacle. Hence, Yahushua is the face from which the teachings and instructions of everlasting life came forth. Mm. Therefore, for, for um, when it is prayed that his face shine upon thee, the prayer is actually saying, uh, praying that the teachings and instructions of Yahushua will enlighten your darkness. That is, that it will dispel your ignorance. And it will, if you allow it. Verse 25 goes on to say, and be gracious unto thee. So not only may Yahuwah make his face shine upon thee, but also be gracious unto thee. The word gracious is kanan. Number 2603, it means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. Hmm. To bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. And so we have a pictorial example of someone bending and 
stupid and kindness, not necessarily to an inferior in this in this scenario, you know, but you get the point, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so Yah, the um, priest is praying that Yah not only enlighten Israel's ignorance with Yahshua, but that also that Yah will stoop in kindness to an inferior, that he'll come down to where they are. Can you see that? Can you see that in stooping in kindness? I pray you can see that because heaven came down. I pray you can see that because heaven came down and dwelt amongst men. Yah literally stooped in kindness to the inferiors, i.e. Israel. That was Canaan. That was his grace. Can you see that? You know, beautiful picture. Verse 26 continues on. It says, Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Shalom. We all should be well familiar with Shalom. You know, um, verse 27 goes on to say, And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will barak them. Now, this word give and they shall put is both soon. Um, and it's number 7760 in the Hebrew. It means to put. It's not the general word forgive. You know, even though it is translated it's not generally the word that I think of when I think of give in Hebrew. You know, it literally means to put. Hence it can mean the gift, but you know, it literally means to put. Now, hereby we're told that the priests are to put Yah's name upon the children of Israel in order for him to bless them. So, not only do they have to be kneeled before him, they also have to have Yah's name put upon them. You know, but please don't think that it's speaking of a phonetic sound. For I assure you it isn't. It's speaking of Yah's character, authority, and reputation. This is what has to be put upon the kneeling Israelites. The kneeling Israelites have to have Yah's character, authority, and reputation put upon them. In other words, mother, i.e. the priest, have to teach Israel... Yah's character, authority, and reputation. Not only do they have to subjugate Israel to Yah, they also have to put his character, authority, and reputation upon them. With that in mind, consider 2 Chronicles 7.14. says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, let's consider this just for a second. If my people which are called by my name 
So they have his name upon them. They're called by his name. Amen? But they don't have his character, his authority, nor his reputation. Hence, he says they have to humble themselves. They have to be kneeled. Can you see that? They have to be kneeled before him. Remember that picture of kneeling and how it spoke to humility and prayer? So not only do they have to be humble, they have to pray, they have to seek his face, they have to turn from their wicked ways. They have to be kneeled before Yahuwah, you know, and they have to begin to walk in his character, authority, and reputation. And he says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, and a lot of people equate this to the land over in the Middle East. But don't forget that you have some land that you stand in right now. You have a plot of land, you know, that's a part of Israel that you living in right now. That Yah wants to rule over and reign over. That's supposed to be covenanted with Elohim. My man. You know, so if you will humble thyself, Kneel yourself before him. Pray, seek his face, turn from your wicked ways. He'll forgive your sin and heal your land. Can you see it's not just about a phonetic sound? Because they were called Karad in the Hebrew. They were called by his name. You can be called by his name all day, every day. But if you don't have his character, authority, and reputation, then he's going to leave you. In your wicked ways. I pray that's clear. You know, take a um, look at another example. Yes, Yahoo 43 7 through 10 says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. You know, now this is um, just a little backdrop to this. To this section, you know, it's speaking about when Yah begins to gather his people from the four corners of the earth, you know, and he's talking about who he's gathering. And so, in speaking about who he's gathering back in these in, in the end times, he says, Even everyone that is called by my name. And then he says, For I have created him for my glory. So, I'm if you want to be associated with Yah and you and you really are kneeled before him, then you were called, you were created rather, for his glory. That is to glorify him. Now, if you glorify him, then you shouldn't be running around like a happy heathen, right? If you glory, if you were created to glorify him, then you should be emitting the same type of light that he emits. Amen. You should be sh getting your shine on like he shine. Amen? She says, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So everyone that is called by his name was created for his glory, was formed by him, and was made by him. 
Hence he says, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witness that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith Yahuwah, and my servant whom I have chosen. That ye may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me there was no Elohim formed, neither shall there be after me. You know, so I pray that you can see that the one who was created by him was created for his glory. He's formed them and he has made them. You know, and they will declare and show the former things. And this is what scripture speaks of his people time and time again that they return to the ancient paths that they show forth the former things let them bring forth their witness see because if they are truly created by him informed by him and made by him that's what they're going to do they're going to bear witness to him you know all based upon one thing. So if he created them, informed them, and made them, how did he do it? Say again. In his likeness and image. Yes, but what that look? How do we know what that looked like? How do you know what he looked like? His word. His word, absolutely. By his word. His word is what describes everything we know about Yah is described through his word. You know, Yahshua, he came and revealed the Father, even as um, Elder Kirk so eloquently spoke in his prayer earlier. You know, Yahshua came and revealed the Father unto Israel. John 1 and 1 also speaks to this. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. He was in the beginning with Elohim, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So if that includes you, then you were made through the Word. You know, and this is how we are shaped and formed. By Elohim, if we allow it to transpire. You know, if we run across the word and then we apply that word to our lives, that word will begin to shape and form us. When that word is done with us, then we'll find ourselves a new creature in Yah via his word. Second witness is. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You know, and so if we allow the word to shape and form our lives, we will be witnesses of Yahuwah. Mm -hmm. We will show forth the former things. When people see us, they will see the word living. 
And if the living word lives within thee, then you shall not die. That's all I have for you today. Pray it was a blessing. All right, we'll take any questions. Well, it's interesting you're talking about Israel today and the bride because earlier, you know, I have been reading everything and it came to me. I know that the scripture says that Israel is um, Yah's son. And then it says that it speaks about the bride. So how can Israel be the son and the bride? Or can you explain that for me, you know? Is it like the ecclesia that's the bride within Israel, or what? How does that work? Because it sounds like you were saying they were both Israel and the bride today. No, it sounds like you weren't paying attention. <laughs> you know, Did I we, miss something? I miss something. But we're going to break it down for you. Tell All right, so we spoke about Aaron and his sons, and we talk about, spoke about Israel. What did we call Aaron and his sons? The wife. Exactly. And then we spoke about Israel. <laughs> All right, you see the difference? Nah, let her, let her, let her do it. So no. the wife and the bride are the same thing. So the priesthood is the wife only. So in um, Revelation, when it talks about the woman, uh, that the slow it down, champ. We're speaking about Israel in this lesson today. Okay. You jumped all the way to the end of the book. <laughs> so those are not the same things. So that's what I'm, I'm not saying they're the same or not the same. I'm just, just saying we're not talking about that right okay, now. Okay, then I got it so far then. Okay. Hallelujah. So you 